1: Still trying to get all our thoughts out about Washington's 24-10 to 10 loss at the hands of the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Joining us right now to help us do that on the Team 980 guest hotline is NBC Sports Washington Commanders insider Pete Haley. You can give him a follow on Twitter at PeteHaleyNBC. What's going on, Pete?
2: Good morning, Linnell. Good to hear from you. Good afternoon, good evening, and uh, it's always nice <laughs> to talk to you.
1: Definitely, my man. Let's uh let let's go back to, to Sunday here for a second. You were there at FedEx. Uh, first of all, start by describing the atmosphere out there before pregame.
2: It was uh, pretty, pretty dull. It was right. really weird for it to be such an important game, and I understand it was New Year's Day, and some people just didn't feel like getting out of bed, but it was a really nice weather day, and this team was two wins away from guaranteeing its playoff destiny, and I know – that it hasn't been a very good franchise for fans to support for over two decades. So um, just because they have two games ahead of them doesn't mean fans can necessarily forget the two decades of pain that have preceded those games. But um, it was, uh, it was almost unsettling to be on the field pregame because around like 20 minutes before kickoff, you can really start to feel the energy rise. The players are going through their final warm ups, The music is loud, but on Sunday, It was just something missing. And then the early interception from Carson Wentz with how everybody reacted and started chanting for Heineke, it was apparent that at that moment, the day was not going to go Washington's way.
1: Were you surprised by the crowd reaction after Carson Wentz's uh, first interception? I know there was a lot of pushback all week long, pretty much. Fans felt like it was a 50-50 split almost. There were some fans that you know understood the idea of going to Carson Wentz, but then there was the other contingent of the fan base that said, you know, Taylor Heineke brought us to this point. I think it's fair to let him finish out the ride. Were you surprised by the crowd's overall reaction?
2: I honestly was, yeah. I mean, I know that the Heineke love is very real, and I'm honestly one of the people who loves the guy and and wanted to see him finish out the year, but I understood the change to Carson, and in my head, I honestly supported it because what was going on with Taylor had seemed to run its course, and I thought a lot of the fans that I engaged with and read and, and listened to at least... Understood the move as well. But I guess one thing about being so involved on Twitter is there's 98% of the fan base isn't on that app right. and, and maybe has a more simplistic view of, hey, that quarterback that we just took out won a bunch of games for us. Why are we putting in this other guy who the last time we saw looked really bad? So when that chant broke out and, and when the booze rained down with severe heaviness, I was taken aback for a second. But in processing it a little bit more, I realized like, that the people I've talked to is just a very small sample. And I, I found that most people on Twitter maybe have you know, a, at least a bit more of an advanced view or at least care enough to be on that site and, and talk about this team while the overwhelming majority of fans are just watching on Sundays and, and voicing their support that way. And that's, that's where the Heineke support really lived, I think, is those more just basic win or loss fans. Not that basic is, right. is a bad word, more just, you know, they, they care about the team and they want to see them win, and Heineke was doing that for them.
1: Two first-half interceptions for Carson Wentz, but they end the half uh, on a good note, a 21-play touchdown drive where he caps it off uh, diving over the uh, the pile at the goal line. If it wasn't for that touchdown drive, I think it was 16 runs, five passes on that drive. Do you think Ron Rivera considers pulling Carson Wentz at the half?
2: Perhaps, but Ron is, is a guy who really likes to be proven correct like most people in the world it, <laughs> right. it feels better to be right than wrong and and then making this whole switch and then having to undo it after 30 minutes of football would have been a very tough pride pill for him to swallow um so in that alternate reality where Wentz doesn't get that and they go down three nothing and the fans probably are really upset when the team leaves the field I still think Wentz gets an opportunity to come out after halftime and maybe if If he goes three and out like he did, then then Ron considers a switch. But I was under the impression that um, it was going to be Carson's day as long as he didn't throw like seven interceptions. And, of course, he ended up throwing three. But like (laughs) he two in the first half, you could sell it as he was finding his rhythm and the defense was doing okay and and holding up to Cleveland. Um, So I think it would have taken even more failure for Heineke to come out because Ron just didn't want to have to uh, acknowledge he was wrong so quickly.
1: Yeah, you you mentioned the two first-half interceptions. Based off of what you saw in his limited work against San Francisco the week prior, were you surprised at how unsettled he looked early on in that football game? Because it really just felt like, even from him trying to hit the checkdowns, that he just was not mentally there uh, on Sunday.
2: With Carson, there's always going to be those ugly misses. There were some of them in San Francisco, but certainly not at the rate that we saw against Cleveland. Um, But the fact that they were just it was nonstop. It was incessant inaccuracy. It was poor decisions. So yeah, I, I don't think much of Carson, but I thought he would be better than that. I thought he would at least offset those plays with the deeper throws. And and the yeah. staff didn't really ask him to do much of that. And on that 21 play drive, Carson was hidden. And yeah. I think that's telling that the most successful drive of the day, they basically hid Carson behind the running game. Um, so it, maybe the plan wasn't great. Maybe you know we all wanted them to stick with this running game, but if you're going to stick with that running game, why, why bring in the guy who's got the big arm and is better as a thrower than Taylor? Maybe you needed to uh, try and do some more quick game like they did against San Fran and let Carson just hit those checkdowns. I mean, when he was throwing to Logan Thomas on Sunday in the flats and in that intermediate part of the field, it looked good when he was just yeah. three-step, five-step and, and throwing it. That was really the only time Carson seemed comfortable. Um, but I guess that San Francisco game was was not enough for him to shake off the rust. And honestly, I think at this point of his career, he's just he's broken mentally. I mean, we yeah. see the, the zip on the ball, but when he fails in Philadelphia and watches another quarterback win a Super Bowl, then he gets a second chance in Indianapolis, fails there too, and then comes to Washington, and his first stint doesn't go well, and the fans clearly love Heineke more than him. I think the guy upstairs is just tarnished, and I don't think he'll ever really rise back to even satisfactory quarterback play.
1: Yesterday, Ron Rivera spoke to you guys via Zoom, and it was, you know, one of the more memorable, you know, media availabilities he's had, you know, since he's been here. I thought Ron was very forthcoming and, and honest and transparent. Uh, did you get that same sense, and were, were you surprised at any of his answers?
2: I definitely got that sense. Um, he after games is usually fairly defensive, and understandably <laughs> yeah. so. Uh, it's it's hard to answer pointed questions minutes after your team loses and and I don't envy coaches who have to do that but it is part of the job and and they need to be good about it Um, but those Monday pressers when Ron's had a chance to digest the film and and take a little bit of a breather he's usually pretty good and uh, some of the stuff he touched on on Monday about needing to find the quarterback one again it's Disheartening to know that's yeah. the point he's arrived at because it will be his fourth different search for QB one. Assuming he gets that chance, and I think he will, even if he doesn't deserve it per se. Yeah. Um, and and some of the other things about just uh, I I asked him, you know, it's been three years. The, the pressure we had on Monday was the three year anniversary of his first ever press conference wow. as Washington's head coach. And I asked him, what progress can you point to in these three seasons? Because the numbers seven wins, seven wins, and then either seven or eight wins indicates very little progress. And he touched on the skill positions and, and the defensive line and the middle of the defense with Jamin and the safeties, and those are all fair points. But my my story, which I'm waiting to publish, kind of just waiting for the DeMar Hamlin situation, doesn't feel right to write a silly football stories right now with all that going on. But right. like he should have more to point to than a couple of better position groups. It should be easy for him to say, not that we're trending in the right direction. We're in a different position, period. And, and the types of things he was saying is the stuff you hear from a first-year head coach after his first year in a rebuild, not a guy who's had three years and total control. So while he is right that the receivers are, are good and the running backs are promising and the D-line had a great year, like you need better, more tangible things than just a few uh, position groups showing some promise
1: yeah, I want to go back to the comments that he made about quarterback, because I thought that was, you know, very telling. and you just brought it up. I don't personally, me, I don't think he deserves the opportunity to choose another quarterback. and it it's not for the reasons that everyone else might think. I think he's swung and missed a couple of times here now uh, on the quarterback position. Anytime Ryan Fitzpatrick ends up as your opening day starter, it's clear that you know you did not exhaust the proper resources to to upgrade that position. When you look at Washington and their path to getting a quarterback potentially this offseason, it's not like, Pete, that this this process has gotten any easier for them. I know yesterday he said, well, we tried to do this and we had to pivot to a plan B. Uh, if they were to go out and potentially try and draft a rookie, Pete, being that this is going into year four of this regime, would that even be something that crosses their mind, you think?
2: It's so tough for this group to trust a rookie because going to this year it would have been tough for them to do knowing that Ron's seat, while it wasn't hot and, and well, maybe not even warm, well, P, it at least well, was... not
1: to cut you off. I think he made it hot by boasting his chest out this summer and saying year three right. was going to be the year that we take this jump. I don't think us as media members here locally thought this was some 10-11 win football team even when the Carson Wentz trade was made.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and then now the seat whether it was hot or not before the season will be especially if there is a new owner i mean ron's time could be numbered if there's a new owner unless he goes on some crazy 13 win run next year and what was what has harmed this organization so much in the past is that uh, the head coaches will come in they'll they'll deal deal with the inherited quarterbacks that won't work they'll maybe try and get a quick fix and then they'll realize okay i need to draft a rookie but then that coach is gone before the rookie is in his second or third year. So then that rookie is the next group of inherited quarterbacks for the next coach. And those timelines don't match up. And if Ron drafts a quarterback this year, that's going to happen again. And not that, you know, he's got some brilliant offensive mind, but whatever playbook they instill in that rookie, he'll then have to forget and learn a new one for the next head coach. And that goes without even touching on this team's draft position. If they're in the middle of the first round, They'll have to move up to get a quarterback that's worth really trusting. So it's a mess. And it, like I I sympathize with Ron in that it's really damn hard to find a quarterback. <laughs> There's a reason why uh, Wentz was available because he wasn't a good one and the good ones are all kept. So then you have to sift through the trash and hope the guy you can find you can like wash off and, and, and it's, he's not that much trash. And this right. year maybe Derek Carr is going to be that version of that guy. But even so – like, it's just so damn hard, and I think the only way to really do so is to get lucky in the draft, but I don't have any faith that this regime will A, get lucky, or B, be around long enough to develop that guy.
1: Talking to Pete Haley, Commander's Insider for NBC Sports Washington, you can give him a follow on Twitter at Pete Haley NBCS. Uh, I got a chance to listen to you guys on the postgame show on NBC Sports Washington and J.P. Finley, uh, unchained, so to speak, Pete, and he had, to me, the quote of the weekend if this was a regular, properly run NFL outfit, everything would be on the table after a loss like that. Uh, clearly, with the impending sale of the team, Pete, this is not a regular NFL outfit, and it is really difficult, I understand it, to fire Ron Rivera because a new owner is going to come in and want to choose his guy. With those being the circumstances, what type of changes can you anticipate uh, happening between now and you know maybe potentially the start of OTAs?
2: Even stuff like coordinator changes, they yeah. just extended Scott Turner, and not that he's making billion, but, uh, you know, that's, that's a billion dollars, but that's a new contract that Snyder might be hesitant to axe, and, and Ron would again not want to just say, oh, we got this guy a new deal, oh, wait, never mind, he's wrong, he's not the guy, I need to get rid of him, that's going to look bad for Ron. Yeah. Uh, Del Rio has done a nice job with the defense. I don't think you really want to touch the defense too much. It's just going to be more personnel. And, and Ron, when he outlined all the things he's proud of, like I think he's proud of the first line of his depth chart. But the second and third lines yeah. are the areas that need to be fortified now because he always, always talks about injuries. Yeah. And look, I get it. Injuries are like they they are very detrimental obviously when you lose starters when you lose cam curl and benjamin st juice like your team's not going to perform as well inevitably but you need to have better depth behind those guys so that it isn't just such an obvious downgrade in talent and and i think that's another part of what's disappointing with ron is that this year we liked the starters pretty much all over the field but uh we knew that the secondary was really thin and and When a guy turns an ankle and has to miss a couple weeks, that can't just torpedo your entire season. So I don't see much happening with the coaching staff. I don't see much happening uh, in the front office. So it's got to be the players on the field, and hopefully they can find some more bargain-type guys like – their J.D. McKissicks and Logan Thomas's of the past and, and and draft well again and and just further fill out this team so that when next year in Week 7, John Allen misses time or Jamin Davis misses time, Ron isn't coming to us saying, well, my starters yeah. weren't there. It's, oh, thank God we had this backup who's pretty much just as good as the guy he's
1: filling in for. Yeah, it's tough when, when you hear Ron talk about the injury situations because like you just outlined, yeah, I get it. But other teams across the National Football League have to deal with the same damn thing. I mean, San Francisco's on their third-string quarterback. The Giants are running out YMCA wide receivers, and they're locked in the sixth seed. So the injury situation here in Washington really just isn't much of an excuse. One game left. They're honoring Sonny Jurgensen on Sunday against the Cowboys. Uh, we found out yesterday that that game going to be flexed to 425 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be a Fox game. Could Do you think we'll see Sam Howe start? I know the question was asked to Ron Rivera. Uh, on Sunday by Grant Paulson, and then yesterday again by you guys, and he didn't really, you know, seem to have a definitive answer. What does your gut tell you that Double R is going to do?
2: My gut tells me that it will be, Sam Howell. Very liberal use of flex there, by the way, for you. I would say it just got (laughs) scheduled for 425. Flexing implies that, like, the league put it there because it really wanted to. Right, Um, (laughs) But, yes, (laughs) I would say Sam Howell, and I understand the the Cowboys defense is ferocious and they'll be playing for something and it could be a really tough challenge for Sam Howell, but he's a fifth rounder. You need to see if there's anything to work with. And I know that one game, if he goes out there and throws for 350 or he goes out there and throws for 50, it shouldn't just completely color our opinion of him. It's just going to be a point in the sample size for him, but, uh, there's, Absolutely no point for Carson Wentz to ever throw a football again in this area, and maybe you want to give Heineke like a final chance to salute the crowd, and, and that at least gives you a better chance to win, but forget that. Losing is better for this team anyway to move up the draft order, and Sam Howell needs to uh, be able to show you what he's learned sitting behind these guys can he run around? Can he just look like a competent player? There shouldn't be big expectations, but what does he look like trying to play against really good defense? That is the most important thing to come out of this meaningless game. And if Ron doesn't go to Hal, it'll just be another uh, thing for fans to be bitter with him about.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you know normally it takes him till about Wednesday, Pete, to really get his thoughts in order. It seems like you know we all mm-hmm. knew he was going to start Carson. He waited till Wednesday to announce it. Um, When he made the announcement last week, he leaked it to, I believe it was Josina Anderson of uh, CBS Sports HQ. And she said that, you know, if Washington was eliminated, you know, that they would consider going to Sam Howell. I'm assuming that was spoon fed to her by somebody in the Washington Commanders PR department. What do you make of him, though, like being hesitant to do this? And yesterday he kind of came off with this macho and bravado and machismo of like, hey, we're playing every game to win. That's all fine and dandy, but but we know if Sam Howe doesn't get the start uh, on Sunday against Dallas, I can only imagine the backlash that Ron is going to get. And by the way, he's handled the media this season and last year. Quite frankly, I don't know if he can handle the backlash. It,
2: it, is, it does crack me up when he says things like, you know, you, you guys will be the last to know. We're going to make this decision. Like, no, we're not. <laughs> There's leaks coming out of that team all the time. Rapport right. knows half the time before ron knows it seems like so i think it's funny when he tries to puff his chest out and say that it's going to be a very buttoned up decision um, but yes he does normally wait till wednesdays he prides himself on being a good communicator and i think that's a good thing to pride yourself on he he wants to make sure he talks to everybody involved talks to the coaches talks to the players make sure that everyone understands what's coming and then uh, i'm sure by tomorrow. Uh, like 10 a.m., 11 a.m., the, the commander's Twitter account will post a graphic of Howell or Heineke and say he's our starter moving forward because practice is at 11.50 and, and he wouldn't want us to be able to see just by who's getting the reps. So look for that. It'll come from the team account in the morning on Wednesday morning. And uh, for everyone's sake, let's hope it's a picture of Sam Howell and and his, and his flowing hair and, and his practice jersey. And we can all at least have something at least a little significant to look forward to when we're at that stadium and we're surrounded by 60,000 annoying people in Michael Irvin jerseys and Des Brown jerseys.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Look, I don't want to be negative Nancy here, but it definitely seems like it's going to be a lot of blue uh, in FedEx on Sunday, and it's going to (laughs) be sickening. Uh, Pete, I'll let you go on this, my man, and let you have the floor here. If you could describe what's next for this football team from your vantage point, the floor is yours. (laughs) It's scary to
2: think, but like, as of standing here right now, I don't know how what's next is going to look very much different from what's been happening Yeah, because the, the same staff, I assume will be in place, um, same players, at least at quarterback, same caliber of players unless they somehow get completely lucky or swing a massive trade, um, However, of course, the thing that could change the direction or at least the optimism of fans is a new owner coming in March, April, May, June, whenever that is. And, and until that happens, I'll approach the future with very cautious, uh, not even optimism, just cautious, cautiousness. Um, <laughs> but if that owner comes in, then at least it'll feel like, okay, it might take a while for, for everything to fall in line underneath it, but that can, that can really provide some hope. Um, but uh, without that guy, it's going to be, Probably another B minus C plus kind of quarterback, an average coaching staff, and a team that has to rely on the running game and the defense in the year 2023 when basically everybody else is throwing <laughs> the ball around the yard and trying to score 30 points.
1: Eloquently put, my friend. I appreciate you giving us some time, man.
2: Of course, thank you, and uh, <laughs> sorry for that just complete lack of excitement. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think everybody can kind of relate to it.
1: Yeah, man, we definitely understand it, man. Oh, be well. <laughs> that is Pete Haley, NBC Sports, Washington Commander's Insider. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at Pete Haley NBCS.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.